Welcome to the Coaching Matters Podcast brought to you by Fundraising University and Brian Kane Peak Performance. Coaching Matters is a nonprofit foundation whose primary purpose is to help coaches, athletes, and activities directors succeed in their programs, schools, and communities. Fundraising University works to help you raise the most amount of money in the least amount of time with the least amount of interference to support coaches and activities directors in enhancing the student experience and life skill development that is a critical component of our educational systems. Brian Kane, one of the world's leading mental performance coaches, works to educate, empower, and energize you to be your best through his 10 pillars of mental performance mastery systems. Together, each week, we bring you interviews, question and answer sessions, and group coaching around mastering mental performance, creating elite culture, and developing the leadership skills you need to succeed. And now, this week's Coaching Matters podcast. Hey, how you doing? Brian Kane here with Fundraising University and the Coaching Matters group coaching podcast. And I just wanted to welcome everyone to tonight's Coaching Matters group coaching podcast sponsored by Fundraising University. Fundraising University is the top high school fundraising company in the United States, helping raise over $150 million for programs since its inception in 2009. As former athletes and coaches, they understand the pain points that come with funding sports programs and providing the solution and support to help your programs dream big and raise more. We'd like to take the time to say thank you to any current fundraising university coaches or administrators on our Coaching Matters call today. And in 2020, Fundraising University began official franchise locations with 55 current franchise locations in 25 states. They've been recognized by Entrepreneur Magazine and awarded the top franchise in 2021, named one of the fastest growing franchises in the worldwide rankings at 136. So again, thank you to any new or potential fundraising university franchise owners on the call as well today. Super excited about today's call. Today, we've got my friend and a mentor of mine, Dr. Barry Davis, and he's going to share his research that he did for his PhD on five strategies to increase increase your leadership skill set as a coach. Now, the best part about his research as a PhD is he's also an active coach. So Barry understands the research and, and the literature behind it, having gone through that academically. Most importantly, he's doing it himself. He's transformed the Ryder University baseball program into a consistent contender in the Metro Athletic Conference, winning three conference tournament championships, two regular season championships, and qualifying for 10 conference tournaments. He's got over 950, let me say that again, over 950 career wins and has been a head coach for 32 years, having led three different programs at three different levels to the College World Series. Now, Coach Davis received his bachelor's degree in health and phys ed. He's got his master's degree in education and the PhD in sports leadership. So Coach Davis, really excited to have you join us tonight to talk about five strategies to increase your leadership skill set. Everyone, please put your hands together for Dr. Barry Davis. Dr. Davis, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. 
Yeah. And if you would, you know, I know you, we kind of gave your background a little bit in, in, in the success that you've had as a coach. And I think it's fascinating that not only are you coaching at the division one college level, but you still also made the time to go back and do your PhD. So would you talk a little bit about maybe your reasoning for wanting to do that and then unpack that, that research that you did in leadership? Cause I think the way you went about it and the research that you did is fascinating and coaches are going to love it. Well, uh, first of all, Probably, I would say, in the mid-90s, when I was coaching in South Jersey at Gloucester County, uh, Temple, which was right across the river, had a a, uh, a PhD program in in sports management hospitality. So that always uh, interests me. Um, And I just never, you know, found the time to to get everything aligned to to be able to do that. And just – and then – and I started to advance my – career we were doing well um and then temple dropped the program and uh so that that ended that i moved to georgia um and then when 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 i was in georgia uh you know i I spent four years there i was was focused on you know changing that program around and i was fortunate enough to get to Ryder. and then probably the third year when i was at Ryder, i went to uh the abca convention uh in orlando and in that, in that uh, one of those uh, seminar sessions, uh, Pat Williams, who was the president, vice president of the Orlando Magic, uh, gave what I thought and still think is one of the best uh, speeches uh, on leadership that I'd ever heard. And in that uh, talk that he gave, I, I felt like um, he mentioned something about, you know, you can go online and get your master's degree. You know, you can get your Ph.D. and and just kind of kindled, you know, rekindled some thinking. And it, it was always on my mind. And then about 2013, again, long, long story, but long time. Uh, I felt th- that was the opportunity. I felt like I was at Ryder. I wasn't looking to leave at that time. And then it was just a great opportunity to, to pursue the Ph.D. I spoke with a number of people. Uh, about the the obstacles and the pitfalls and the challenges and all the things that I might have to face, uh, and they gave me encouragement and um, and they were positive. So I, I jumped in with both feet, and uh, five years later, I was able to uh, you know defend the excuse me defend the dissertation, and um, and here and here I am with that. So it was a long process. Uh, I've always. Uh, enjoyed school. I've always enjoyed research. I've always enjoyed learning more, uh, especially in the sports world uh, and coaching. And, and that's where this, um, this, where this stems from. And uh, coaching has been my life. Uh, I've dedicated my life's work essentially to being uh, a, head, a head baseball coach and to be a coach uh, for life. You know, and Barry, I had the privilege to work with you at Ryder and and with your baseball program. And, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about leadership and about culture. And I think the the process that you went through with your dissertation and the interviews that you did, right? You 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 interviewed national championship winning coaches. You interviewed some of the top coaches in all of college athletics and we're looking for trends. And that's where these strategies came from. Would you kind of unpack um, who you interviewed, why you chose them, and then what those strategies were that you learned? Because as we all know on this call, right, as coaches, success leaves clues. And that's what we want to do with Coaching Matters is have great coaches like, like Coach Davis on here. Have great coaches like you who have joined us here this evening to go through and share what those clues are so that we can all speed up our learning curve so we can have the best 
chance at not only winning winning in competition, but the best chance to, to, to help our athletes close that gap from where they are to where they want to be both on and off the field. So Dr. Davis, how did you identify who to interview? What was that criteria? And then what are some of the key things that you felt like you learned that our coaches joining us here tonight would benefit from? Well, quickly, um, being a baseball coach, um, it was easier for me to work with baseball coaches because my schedule aligns with their schedule. Uh, initially, this was going to be a, a multi-sport study, football, basketball. But finally, I decided I, I can't do that. It's not. It's going to take too long. So baseball was was um, the, the the subjects. Um, but back to the beginning, I've always been interested in how a coach, how a new coach, can come in and take over a program and within one, two, three years transform it into a winner and be able to sustain it for a number of years and, and why he can do it or she can do it. And someone else who was just in that same position or a number of people couldn't do it. Why can this guy or gal do it and no one else can? That That's always fascinated me. What is the secret sauce? What is the secrets to the success that they have that other people don't have? And one of the things that I had to learn to do in this study was take myself out of it because, of course, I have biases and I have ideas and I have thoughts and, 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 and things about what I think works. So I tried to eliminate that. So jumping into this, um, I identified 10 coaches at, 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 one, at, at the beginning. One could not could not participate. Um, the coaches that I that I interviewed uh, in, in order, uh, University of Virginia, Brian O'Connor, John Sheff at uh, Virginia Tech. Dan McDonald at Louisville, um, Tim Corbin at Vanderbilt, Mike Bianco at Ole Miss, Chris Pollard at Duke, Ray Tanner, the athletic director and former head coach at South Carolina, Gary Gilmore at Coastal Carolina, and Eddie Blankmeyer at St. John's. So in December of 2000, December of 2018 and January of 2020, I spent about four or five weeks getting to all those places. And I sat down with each one in, in their office um, and, and, and performed an interview for about an hour to an hour and 15 minutes. Some were longer than others. And the two key questions that we wanted to find out was one, describe, the first question was describe the experiences that you had transforming the losing program into a winning program. As simple as that. Describe your experiences. The, the second question was describe how your experience on how you maintain and created or created and maintain a culture to support the transformation. So basically, you know, learning their experience and in, in turning it around and their experience in maintaining the culture that they created uh, to, to support the transformation. And, the, and then there was 11 questions within those two research questions that, um, that resulted in over 275 double space pages of transcribed uh, interviews. And as I went through those, uh, you know, one by one and tried to pull out the key points that they were making. 
And these questions, I mean, it, it was it was really interesting because they would some some coaches would answer one question uh, differently than another coach, but then they would answer it uh, later on. You know, so it was all consistent. Uh, and the five things that we came up with, and I think this is important for coaches, and, and, and this helped me. These are the five that I think are pressure treated, time tested. I mean, I've, I've asked several experts, where do these rank? And everyone would agree that they were solid. They're solid. They're solid elements, however you want to call it, elements, criteria, pillars, whatever. Uh, I just I named them the five pillars, and the five pillars are, and it starts with number one, leadership and leadership development. Two, consistency and consistent communication. Three, standards. Four, right fit. Five, growth mindset. And I and I think um, those were those were the five. Now, what I want you to do and what I try to do is look at it two ways. Look at it from a macro, so to speak, the whole team, the whole organization. And, and are, is your organization operating within those five pillars? And then micro, be yourself, narrow it down to you. Are you exhibiting those five pillars? You know, because ultimately it's the leader that's going to set the course. And there were two, two leadership styles that, that came out uh, consistently. One, transformational leadership, and two, servant leadership. Uh, transformational leadership, uh, I can paraphrase this, uh, James, McGregor Burn, James McGregor Burns wrote this leadership book in 1978, and he coined transformational leadership as someone who identifies a problem, the change, an obstacle, sets a vision, and then creates an action plan to get the desired result. That's, I'm paraphrasing his definition of transformational leadership. Servant leadership is simply, what can I do for you? What can I do to help you? And this, as a coach, I mean, this would be me asking my assistant coaches, what do you need me to help you? What do, what do you need from me to make you a better coach? You let me know. And then that's that's how I'll approach it. So those are two uh, sound leadership styles. So think of yourself. Are you do you fit into those types of, of leaders? Um, so, you know, leadership is, is number one and leadership de de development. I couldn't really pull away from leadership. So how do we develop our own players? And I think this is important. This is something that I think that I haven't done a great job with uh, when my teams were not as good. Uh, developing leaders. One, give them give them ownership. Two, you set the example, they follow the example. They have decisions that they can make. Some of the coaches have leadership councils. We've had that. We've had some success. I wouldn't say we've had great success with it, but have a group of players that you believe can lead and they're going to you know, lead the team when, when you're not there or when you're there. So as Coach Kane, Brian Kane would say, Coach Fed, uh, uh, player led. I've heard that. Uh, and that's what that is. Giving them opportunities, uh, a say in, in what goes on. And uh, you're, you're giving them autonomy. You're giving them some opportunities. So look at yourself in your program. Do you do that? And I, and I think we're, we're trying to do that, 
uh, as well. Two, consistency. And consistency here is basically when a player comes to practice, they would say, Coach Davis, and they'll just use myself as an example, we know what we're going to get. And I think it's important for the coach to communicate why he is the way he is or she is the way she is. Um, I, my wife and I, we did a values exercise and we, we came up with two values that I had and it would be discipline and self-discipline and excellence. So when we talk to the players and communicate to the players, this is why I ask so much of you or I want you to do this. This is why I need you to be here on time. So consistency. Uh, another thing would be, and, and like Brian would say often, AM, PM routines. What's your routine? What consistency? What is it about? So they know how I'm going to react. I hope they do in an adverse situation. You know, am I the same guy every day? Uh, are we are we are we communicating the staff using the same language? Are we saying the same things, preaching the same type of of goals? So that's important. Uh, number three was standards, and standards is basically a communicated expectation. Now I say exceptionally and clearly communicated standard. A standard might be, and in one of the one of the stories that I that I still it still rings with me. One of the coaches. He took over the program, and when they were meeting with everybody that operates within the program, the strength training coach got his chance to talk, and he said, well, we're going to do the same thing we did last year. We're going to give them three optional days to miss, to miss weights, weight training. And, of course, this coach, you know, he, he's, not, he's not going to allow that. Um, I mean, which elite program allows their players to pick and choose when they can come or not? That ain't happening. All right. So and it didn't happen. I think they got rid of that guy and moved on to someone else. Um, so the point was the standard is you're, you're going to be at lifting when we ask you to be there. When we basically tell you to be there, you're going to go to class. You're going to like we talked last week. You're going to make sure you leave it like you found it. Uh, we, you know, that type of thing. When we get off the bus, we look this way. When we walk onto the field, we, we look this way. We take batting practice this way. And I think it's important to do that. It's simple standards is our screens. I, I mean, I get an, uh, aggravated uh, with the screens if they're not tied up properly, you know, and like the old coach, Skip Bertman, who I may refer to later, he would say, listen, the coffee has got to be hot. I mean, as simple as little details. So the standards um, first will be best, then will be first. Mm. I've used that, that slogan, and, and that usually covers all of it. The little things, the details. Uh, what standards are you saying? So look at you now. Look at yourself. Reflect and say, okay, what's my personal standard of excellence? Do I have one? You know, what what do I do? So as you work your way through. And for the right fit, I think, even though it's four, I mean, you know, it's important. That, to me, is where the rubber meets the road. You've got to have the right people. Uh, talent is one thing. You know, you're going to you're going to lose with talent, but you're never going to win without. It. So we understand that. However, it's how you perform. It's how you do your daily tasks. What kind of character do you have? Do you have the makeup, the work ethic, not the want ethic, the work ethic? And I think that's important. Uh, one story, coach, national championship coach, two time national championship coach when he was an assistant coach 
he was in Princeton, New Jersey at a state all-star game. And he was watching one particular young man on a Friday. He thought he liked him. He wasn't sure. So the next day he comes back, he's watching him again. He still can't pull the trigger. He sticks around. The game is over. The kid goes over. This is back in the eighties, goes over and gets the helmets, puts them in the bag, gets the bats, helps out the coach, carry all the equipment. And he puts it in the car. This is back in the old days when we used to have one bag where everybody put their helmets in. All right. And he said that, that kind of took him. He said, I got to get this guy, the, the character. I didn't see that out of anybody else. This was the guy. That was the selling point. He comes to the school, the Power Five school at the time, um, and becomes an all-conference player. And it was based on him just watching him do something as simple as just putting the equipment away. And he looked at me when we were doing the one-on-one. This is one of the great things about the one-on-ones. You're right in the room. You could feel it. You could. He's looking me in the eye. He said, "Character counts. I put a lot of stock in character." So. When you, when you get your team together, think of your best teams. They have usually the best leaders, the best makeup, the hardest workers, and your teams that aren't as successful. I know from my point of view, they don't work as hard. They're not aligned. There's a lot of, lot of, lot of me, not a lot of we, those types of things. And that's what you're looking for in the right fit. So when you're, especially on the college level, because you can recruit to that your philosophy, high school, a lot of times you're kind of dealt with the hand and you have to make the best of it. And the fifth one, and this is one that, that I know uh, you've heard many times before, is a growth mindset, not a fixed mindset. And a growth mindset, to me, as all the coaches, they, they were willing to continue to learn how to do things better. And they were, they were humble enough, which is a great trait as a leader, to understand that maybe their way is not the best way and someone else knows how to do it better. And I think that's smart. And I think that's, that's an open mind. You know, you're not afraid of criticism. You're, you're secure with yourself. You know, you're good at what you do, but you know, somebody else may know how to do it a little bit better and that's okay. And you got to be smart enough to, to accept that and, and put that in your program. And again, going back to Pat Williams' talk, and one of the things that really resonated with me, he says, you know, you have to read. All, all great leaders read. And, um, and he said, well, if you could read a book, a real book, not a comic book or a magazine, if you could read for an hour a day, not to ask a lot, and he used that though, an hour a day, every day, you will read a book in a week. So that would mean that you would read, oh, you would read 50 books in a year. You do that for 10 years, you read 500 books. And the, the question would be, did that make a difference in your life? And, it, and, and the answer is obviously, it, it should, it does. So to me, that was motivating. That was transformational. And, and I thought that that was uh, something that, is, again, it stuck with me. And, and even in my program, if I find a young man that I think I can help with a book to read, I'll, I'll, send, I'll get him the book. I'll get him the book and, and uh, he can read it. And I think that's important uh, in, the, in the growth mindset. So it's never over. And I think the, the other thing is all five have to be together. You cannot have, if you're missing one of those, you're not going to be able to su sustain it. You're just not. You might get lucky here, year, one year, two years, but to be able to sustain it, all five of those pillars have to be there. And the last thing before I turn it back over to Brian, 
is the, the, the great Skip Bertman was given a clinic, and, I, and Mike Bianco told me this story, given a clinic, he, he called it, it was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. It's the Be the Best You Are clinic. And I've been to that clinic. And matter of fact, I was at that clinic. And they had the LSU staff clinic. So Mike's doing most of the work because he's the third assistant. He's, well, the second assistant. Beetle Bailey was the second assistant. He's doing all these overheads. This is back when we did overheads. And he goes, he goes up to Coach Bertman and says, Coach, we're telling them everything we do. We're giving them all our secrets, the pickoff moves, how we hit, how we run the bases. And he said, he just pats him on the shoulder. This is Bianco talking to me. He goes, Bertman goes, Mikey, Mikey, Mikey. They're not going to do it. It's too hard. Are you crazy? They're not going to do it. And Bianco said he was right. Because all of this is so simple. It's so simple. Before I got on here, I, I went to Amazon and typed in books and I typed in leadership. 60,000 plus books came up in, in 0.57 seconds. So it's out there. All of this is out there. And like um, your mentor, Dr. Gilbert would say, find the strategy and then find it out, learn it, practice it, do it, put it in your program and off you go. And then if, it, and if you get off target, Call somebody up, get, get, get some people talking to you, and, uh, and get it back on course. So the five pillars are, are that, just that. Leadership and leadership development, consistency and consistent communication, standards, right fit, and growth mindset. All together, working uh, aligned, get, get the right people, put them in the right spots, and off you go. Love it. Love it. We're here with the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Program. It's Dr. Barry Davis. He's the head baseball coach at Ryder University in New Jersey. At this time, we'd like to take a quick pause and say thank you again to Fundraising University and owner Mike Bahoon for sponsoring the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Podcast. And for our new coaches who are joining us, or if you're listening to this on the podcast or joining us live, if you're interested in how Fundraising University can help you raise ten dollars to $45,000 in just one hour, let me say that again, can help you raise ten dollars to $45,000 in just one hour of a fundraiser, please visit www.fundraisingu, that's fundraising in the letter U, not Y-O-U, like university, fundraisingu.net. Click on Start Fundraiser to sign up today and help your program dream big and raise more. Now, Coach Barry Davis, we have a, the, the chat is very active. We've got a lot of questions that are coming in. First, I want to say thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us. And I want to go into questions. And what we do here on the Coaching Matters Group Coaching Program is we meet every other Monday from, from I say 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific, which would be 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time. And one week is with coaches and we do coaching development on skills like leadership that we're doing right now. The other week is coaches and athletes. And we dive into how can you as a coach and your athletes help master mental performance, which is the missing link in athletic performance. So with these calls, we'd like to take the first 30 minutes and we'd like to have a topic presentation as coach Davis just talked about leadership in the second half of the call goes into question and answer. Thanks for checking out this week's Coaching Matters podcast. 
If you enjoyed the show, please give us a subscribe and a review. Also, be sure to engage with us on social media here in the notes for the show. And remember, dream big, raise more, and coaching matters.